When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yeah, Mike played uh, really well. Um, his technique was really good. Uh, he had a couple bad plays in there. The one where the where they caught the ball just outside the end zone that was that should have been his play. And he had one other play that wasn't very good. But the rest of the time he played very very good. He played good in the running game. Um, There's a couple times he could have fit better in, in the running game. But overall, I thought he played very well. That was head coach Mike Zimmer, Matthew Collar, ESPN's Courtney Cronin here today with you. And want to start right off with Xavier Rhodes, Mike Hughes, the secondary. Courtney, uh, I wrote an article today at scorenorth.com asking how much longer the Minnesota Vikings will be patient with Xavier Rhodes. And if you're looking up and down this team and breaking down who's been good, who's not been good through five weeks, We know that there's some offensive linemen who are under the spotlight. There isn't much they can do about that. Dakota Dozier isn't all that good. Brett Jones can't even get to be active. We don't know what Drew Samia is, so there's there's no real options. But with Xavier Rhodes struggling, there is an option, and that's to play Mike Hughes once Mackenzie Alexander comes back. And if this was just a one-year thing, I might say, well, you know, they should wait around. But... It's not a one-year thing. It's now a two-year thing plus, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. No, and I think Sage Rosenfels had a tweet on Sunday that kind of summed it up for me of what I've been thinking for at least the last few weeks, if not going back to last season. And yes, Xavier was hurt throughout much of 2018. He talked about you know not taking care of his body the way he needed to. He's trying to come back too much. Well, as far as we know, this year... There's not been any injuries. He has not been on the injury report. He's been healthy. Um, maybe he's dealing with something. We don't know. But he's not the 2017 version of himself anymore. Um, the, word, the word that's out there, if you go search the term Xavier Rhodes on Twitter, is washed. Um, and that's a very harsh way of putting it. But it does kind of feel like it carries a lot of weight to it. Because this version you're seeing of him, as much as Mike Zimmer wants to say, oh, it's technique, it's I need to get him back to his technique. Well, you've been saying that since March. You had the entire offseason. Um, the guy's 29, 30 years old. 
if he's not got, getting the technique now, which he had throughout the entire first part of his career where he was a first-round pick, multiple-year pro bowler, it's probably not coming back. And I think what we what we really need to say here and stop dancing around the subject, he's getting slower, he's losing his athleticism, you're probably looking at somewhere down the line of maybe a move to safety mm-hmm. or not being somebody. I mean, you, you've already seen it. Mike Zimmer admitted it yesterday. He's not shadowing guys as much. Um I think it was on that play where he gave up the touchdown. He was in the slot. so And that's not usually a place where he typically will follow a number one guy into, so it looked like they were more playing sides on Sunday, uh, which which is fine, and maybe that's not the case every single week. But I think it's telling, and we need to look at the tea leaves here and read them, that as much as Mike Zimmer wants to hold on to this kind of illustrious version of, of Xavier Rhodes from a few years ago and think, I can fix him, I can fix him. It doesn't feel like that's very realistic. $13.3 million cap hit. There was probably enough interest in the offseason from teams that needed corners to trade him. And I understand that they would have been anxious about doing that, considering it wasn't clear when Mike Hughes was going to come back. Um, But now as we get closer to the trade deadline, it even ran through my mind. Like, is there a team that is really short on cornerbacks who you might be able to convince to take Xavier Rhodes off your hands? Um, Going forward, they could just move on from him if they want to. It's only a $4.8 million dead cap hit, according to Over the Cap, next year, and then $2.4 million in 2021. So basically, after this year, you're not really locked into him for anything if you don't want to be, and they can just release him. But it's very clear to me that opponents are now making it their game plan to attack Xavier Rhodes. So if you're going to keep going with this, then there's got to be a plan that goes along with it. Like he, like you said, can no longer shadow. He can no longer really be left man to man. You almost have to treat him as if, because this is how he's performed as a replacement level corner for two years in a row. That's how he's performed. I had it in my article that he was 70th out of 78 by PFF last year and is 64th out of 72 or something in that ballpark this year. Like those numbers point to a guy that you could call up from the practice squad and how he would play. And then you add in the penalties. He's got Mm -hmm. four Four penalties already last year. And I mean, always really, he's been among the leaders, but now you're talking about um, not getting the good side of Xavier Rhodes. And that becomes the one weakness that might hold this defense from being Top five to maybe somewhere between seven and 12. And I mean, the way that this defense plays, where you always are going to have safety help over the top. I mean, that's isn't that the exact same play we're thinking about when he got hit in the head by Harrison Smith? I mean, he's constantly being targeted. He's allowing 85% complete, like, of passes to be completed, thrown into his coverage, despite the help that he's ha- ha- having from guys on the back end. Um, I just figure at some point we got to figure out what the issue is. Is it athleticism? Is it speed? Is it effort? Is he constantly injured? I think it's the injuries just piling up. I think it's all piled up and it's taken a toll on him where he's not the same guy that he was out there anymore. And the reason the Vikings, I mean, they're in a good spot right now with their cornerback depth. I mean, it's kind of interesting. We, you know, they weren't in a good spot. They are in a good spot. They weren't in a good spot. They are in a good spot. It's injuries. It's a lot of things. But when you look at Rhodes, is diving a little further into those numbers. So he, when he signs that extension, he got all his guaranteed money in 2017 and 2018. 
There was nothing left beyond it, beyond those two first years. What the Vikings do, they front load it with guarantee, and then they kind of back load these contracts. They have absurdly high cap hits, so they can then get you to restructure, renegotiate your deal if you want to stay there. So he's got a $12.9 million cap hit in 2020. There is no way that this man is on the roster at a $12.9 million cap hit, given A, age, and B, the way that he's played the last, you know, 19 games now. I mean, he had a few good games in 2018. I'm not going to say it was all a wash, but, you know, when you factor in his 18 season and then what we've seen him doing in, in five games this year, it's it's not worth it. Um, and you can you can save $8.1 million against the cap if you get rid of him uh, in free agency if you want to move on. Because I think your succession plan, as you talked about, there's Mike Hughes, who has not had any sort of issues, as far as we know, coming back kind of very seamless with this Looks ACL. Very um, and I know that Mike Zimmer said there's you know, some mistakes that he's made, and, and there's always little things. And yeah, this could, I mean, he's not, he hasn't had a full season at cornerback. Like, he's only in his second year, and he was injured six games in the last year. So the technique and those things are going to come along for a younger guy. But I think when you, when you have him and you have Holton Hill... It kind of gives right. Holton Hill coming back, coming week back week eight, um, week nine, week nine, week right nine. after week eight. Um, but beyond that, like thinking, it opens up the bigger question that I think speaks to just even the Giants game itself. Um, I was thinking about this as I, was, as I was leaving MetLife Stadium. This team has a chance to look far different than it does in the current form next year at this time. Um, and and if you want to go on the micro level, look at the cornerbacks. They can move on from Trey Waynes, and they probably will, because he will outprice himself for what they can pay. Xavier Rhodes is not in a position, really, with any leverage to say, no, I'm not going to renegotiate, and then they'll be like, okay, we can cut you. Do they keep Mackenzie Alexander? That one, to me, is kind of the toss-up. Um, but you have Holton Hill, you have Mike Hughes, you have Chris Boyd, and then you can go draft another corner. I mean, that defensive backfield could look vastly different. I think the whole team could if we want to get into that, but the the DBs, especially that cornerback group, you're in a good position right now, given the stuff that you did in the draft and then getting Holton Hills, an undrafted free agent a few years ago, um, because kind of, you know, the the swan song, it seems to be happening now with Xavier Rhodes that, you know, we're, we're on the outs um, of looking at him in a Vikings uniform and their other guys as well. And when you look at their numbers as a passing defense, and usually they've been among the best in the entire NFL during the entire Zimmer era, mm-hmm. right now they're allowing the 14th best or lowest, you know what I mean, right? 14th best mm-hmm. passer rating against, which is much higher than where it was last year. I mean, 14th is in the ballpark of Tennessee, Tampa Bay, Kansas City. I mean, New England right now is unbelievable. They've allowed zero touchdowns and have 11 picks. So, of course, they're number one. But Green Bay is much better against the pass. Detroit is much better against the pass. Detroit may have the best secondary in the NFL right now. I mean, they're playing extremely good pass defense. They've only allowed four passing touchdowns in four weeks, including zero to Patrick Mahomes. So mm-hmm. they, they were really impressive there. Um, the Vikings are getting sacks to make up for that. But, you know, when you don't have an unbelievable pass defense as you have in the past because one of your corners has become a liability. You just have to make a change. And this isn't to take anything away from what Xavier Rhodes was, but we have to talk about what he is and what he's going to be. And to me, it's just going to continue to get worse. I can't see it getting better when a guy is clearly trying to play 
through injuries and just doesn't have the same type of speed. So if he gets caught like he did the other day by a fifth round pick, yeah, and a receiver, and that was a good throw. I will give Daniel that Jones that. Like that. I know some people are always oh, getting burned by a rookie quarterback. Well, that was a damn good throw. But and the receiver, though, but the receiver getting by him. I mean, you go back and you watch that, and I asked Mike Zimmer about that yesterday, and like. Sounds like there was some out of position and, and you know, he might have been out of position and, and it just looked slow. Like, you know, on that play itself. And Zimmer had choice words for him on the sideline. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if TV caught that, but did, we definitely yes. saw that in the stadium. And they kind of kept going back and forth at each other. And after the game, he said, well, I told him what he should do next time and do, to do better. I'm sure he said a lot more than yeah, that. It and, sounded like a lot. Or it um, looked like a lot more, yeah. But it's just, it's it's one of those things where... What's it going to take? Is it going to take them getting a Rams type performance where it becomes a shootout and the and the back end is not holding up, um, and and they do like Kirk Cousins said have to win a game fifty two to fifty something like that? And is it because Xavier Rhodes is a liability? Like at some point, Mike Zimmer is going to have to pull the plug on that because I just feel like we're kind of spinning our wheels here. Like we've known Xavier Rhodes is get a getting older, b dealing with injuries, and c kind of always you know. Just the last few years, like how how hard it would it be to replicate that 2017 version? Like he's not, you know, he's not that guy anymore. I think Father Time and a lot of other factors with injuries have taken over and made him into a, a version of himself that kind of almost is like a shadow of himself. Oh yeah, yeah. Instead of being a shadow corner, shadow corner, he's yeah. a shadow of himself. And, and I do wonder, like, are they going to just play sides from now on? I think because they have to. Do you remember, like, going into Atla- uh, going into the Atlanta game? I remember asking Mike Zimmer about, well, what do you look for in guys who can shadow, and like, you know, figuring, okay. At some point, we may have to revisit this, so I'd like to get this on record and talk about it now up front, figuring, okay, what did you see in Xavier to begin with? And it's obviously, it's the athleticism, it's the body type, it's being able to track all different kinds of receivers, big receivers, small receivers, fast receivers, Mm -hmm. shifty, you know, guys that can go in the slot, go outside, wherever, like, you know... Right now, his best game is against Julio Jones, so sure, that looks great, but... You're not going to face these big behemoth type guys every single week, and you got to be able to do it against a Devonte Adams of the world. Um, I mean, granted, you see him twice in your in twice a season in your division, um, but even against like very mediocre receivers, like was Slayton, the guy in 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 again in New York, like the quickness is, seems to be a problem. That's the him. problem. It's there's there's not a lot of burst for this guy anymore, yep. and I mean Xavier was a very very athletic player. Um, how do you get that back? I just don't feel like I, we can talk about it all we want. We can talk about technique and things like that. I just think we got to come to terms with this. I think the best option, if they're not going to trade him at the deadline, which I don't think is a bad idea. No. I really don't. But there were not a lot. Oh, see, like, let's back up on that. So like back to like free agency. I remember checking in on Rhodes because we had heard his name popped up first at the Combine. Teams were looking into him. And of course... Teams look into all players. Like if you know, there's never such a thing. Even with the Diggs thing from last week, like Vikings check. can say all they want. Like no, we're not trading. And good players are being looked at all the time. That's what scouting department and personnel departments are for. They're always checking in. Um, and I remember that same thing with Xavier. And then he kind of faded a little bit there. And then Trey Waynes became became the next big hot name. 
Now, are teams going to look at the first five games of the season and see what Rhodes has not done and be like, yeah, we want this guy? I feel like he's more of a liability now just in terms of trade value than he was six, seven, eight months ago. Well, here's what I'm thinking, though, that there are enough good teams who are bad at pass defense. Teams that and, have and the Vikings, chances. And, like, let's say, I know that you were, you were talking about, like, specific, like, you know, grades and coverage, you know, passer rating. Like, they do, if, if you're looking at it from the overall defense... They have the fifth or sixth best passing defense. They don't allow a whole ton of first downs through the air. I mean, they can get it's by. A, it's, yeah, like it's, it's not like Xavier's going to like though. kill the defense and they're going to all of a sudden like be you know awful. But but you can't be the seventh, tenth best defense if you're going to win and be the Vikings. You have to be a top three, top five, especially against well, the pass. Yeah, exactly. Say. With this type of offense that you have, I mean, when given how much weight is going to be on this defense, sure, I understand it from that lens. So if you're going to have everybody healthy and Holton Hill coming back, and clearly they have stayed with Holton Hill because they haven't released him, they didn't release him in camp, it would be really something if they kept him around for this long and then said after he was eligible, see ya, especially with Chris Boyd doesn't look like he's ready to play in the NFL yet. Nate Meters, who we've talked about, is just not maybe an NFL player. He's back on the practice squad. Yeah, he's back on the practice squad. But these guys have gotten into games. Mark Fields played a little bit at the end of a game. We'll always remember um, the Mark Fields moment, giving up a touchdown to Julio Jones and then being let go like the next day. And that's Um, the Nate Metters experience, too. Yeah, the Geronimo Allison touchdown and then you're cut. Uh, So clearly they can use Holton Hill, but if everyone was healthy at week eight, say... And someone like the Los Angeles Rams or someone like the Cleveland Browns who don't have a very good pass defense. Or the Chiefs. Houston, Kansas City, uh, Indianapolis has some guys hurt in their secondary. There's enough teams who are looking for corners that, in a way, you could sort of pawn off a corner who isn't really playing at a very high level anymore but has a big name. And maybe it's one of those it-only-takes-one type of situations because I feel like if they bench Rhodes and put in Hughes that that's going to be kind of a tough situation for the defense that's had all these same guys for a very long time. I mean, I'm I'm sure the other players would look at it and say, well, it's kind of deserved considering how he's mm-hmm. played. Um, but having him on your bench doesn't really do a whole lot for you when he's not putting together in two straight years any better performance than a replacement-level player would. So, I mean, that might be a way to just not have any sort of distraction would be to move him for some sort of draft pick or maybe you get a player back. Uh, I am really curious to see what's going to happen as we get closer to the deadline because it just seems to me, maybe it's just me, I don't know, that um, there, there, there are more trades. There's, there's a couple candidates here, which I would love to get into in the next segment with you because I think it's more than just, okay, are we going to revisit the Stefan Diggs thing? I think that, as we talked about, um, you know, this team could look a lot different at this time next year. It could look a lot different um, even before that. Like, when are when are pieces going to start to get moved? And and, I, and we're still looking at a three win team, three and two team here, a team that still thinks it can contend, um, you know, for a championship at some point. But is there going to become a point that they're looking at the situation for next year and beyond that, um, or let's just say next year because. It's a one. It's a year-to-year league. You win now, and you figure out the rest later. Um, can they do that? With I mean, with can they confidently say, okay, we need to get another player in here, a better player in here, versus you know a Xavier Rhodes? But will they find a team that's ready to take on that cap hit? 
that's ready to take on what else he's owed. I mean, he doesn't have any guaranteed money left on his contract. The Vikings did a smart had you know smart structuring that way, but he still does come at a hefty price. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Let's talk about this a little more. If the Vikings are going to look into trades, because clearly they are not moving Stephon Diggs, where should they be looking and what should they be looking for? Let's uh, come right back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. No, I just think we have to clean up some technique with, with some of our defensive backs. Um, not not just him, but you know we've got some other guys that we need to clean up our technique and uh at times throughout the game, they you know they might be perfect 60, 70 percent of the time, and then in the other 30 percent they they get sloppy. So we have to clean that up. Yeah, in sports, if you're only good 70 percent of the time and bad 30 percent of the time, that's bad. That's pretty bad. That's not good, right? Yeah. Like unless I guess it's baseball hitting. But even the rest, like imagine you were only good at fielding 70 percent of the time, and then you're bad 30 percent. That's a big percentage to not be good. If if an offensive lineman was bad 30% of the time, imagine how many sacks and hits, quarterback hits and stuff they would be giving up. It would be like endless. Anyway, it's just kind of an odd way of putting it. Like 30% yeah. of the time is not good. That, that's and, a and big that was, gap to close, and, man. And he was asking, that was a question I asked him about Xavier Rhodes. I was like, are you concerned about... Because it was coming off a penalties question, and it's like Xavier's got four of his own in five games, and last year he had what nine? Yes, nine of some. He was the highest yeah, nine pass interferences was, alone. Yeah, it was like yeah. it was an absurd amount, and you'd thought, okay, maybe it's just because pass interference. Like, I mean, and those rules have been altered, and and you thought maybe there'd be more of that this year. And I know that Mike didn't want to get into that yesterday with the Trey Wayne's one, but. It seems like an alarming rate. Yes. And last year was an alarming rate. And so are you concerned about Xavier's play as it relates to the penalties? And he kept going back to like technique and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, they might be perfect 60, 70 percent of the time. The other 30 percent, they get sloppy. Well, that leads to touchdowns to (laughs) that fifth round pick against the Giants. That's a big percentage. That's, uh, you know, that's not. And and I think it's interesting that he picked 70 percent and not like 95 percent. Like, oh, you guys just noticed the mistakes. Like, no, it's been pretty bad. It's been pretty bad. He's having a really tough time papering over that one. And when you keep going back to, well, it's just technique. It's just technique. Like you said, the guy's 29. Like he's been with Zimmer basically his entire career. He, He got he got here before Zimmer. Yeah, but I mean, the whole time that Zimmer's here, he knows exactly all of Zimmer's techniques that are required. I don't think it's technique. I think it's a lot of injuries and being a giant guy who 
relied on his athleticism in a lot of ways. I mean, this is even the Darrell Revis story. Darrell Revis is one of the best cornerbacks of all time, but he didn't play well as he got older and more injured. You know, it's the same sort of thing. It's a big guy with great athleticism and great length who played super physical and was the top shutdown corner. But then age catch up for you fast in the NFL. And that's what seems Especially to have that happened. Yeah, that's what happened to Rhodes. So if you're not a smaller, wiry, athletic guy like Terrence Newman or Daryl Green or something, it's going to be very hard for you um, to keep up with wide receivers for a long period of time. And I think that's what's happened with Xavier Rhodes. So let's talk about more trade scenarios, though, because you said uh, that Bill Barnwell at ESPN yes, had written about some. And the name that always shows up in my mentions almost on a weekly basis is Trent Williams. Now, Riley Reef played okay against the Giants, but I also think that you could have played left tackle against the Giants. Can I just real quick, before we get to the trade scenarios, what an embarrassment. I mean, I can't believe their defensive coordinator has a job today. After going back and watching through the film of what the Giants did on defense, there are so many times where I laughed out loud. They double-teamed C.J. Ham on a go-route. Like, What? They triple-teamed Laquan Treadwell on one play. Adam Thielen. Well, they knew the ball was probably going there because it is Treadwell. Uh, That's good because of Kirk, right? Yes. Um, He played four snaps, and on one of them he was triple-teamed. This is Laquan Treadwell, who they cut, and is basically only in there usually on running downs. And then Adam Thielen, on multiple occasions, is running wide open. One of the best receivers of the NFL. And how many times the Vikings ran some sort of flood to one side of the field and there's Giants guys standing there on the other side like, I'm ready for anything over here. Like, what an abysmal game plan they had. There's guys pre-snap pointing at each other. Do you got them? Do you got them? What's the call? What's going on? I mean, it was unbelievable to watch how bad like they, the Giants It shows was. you they really didn't even need Stephon Diggs. In no. that game, remember that was the thing? Like, oh, Johnson they can't, was wide open. They can't win without Diggs. Well, Thielen was wide open, and on that 44-yard, the one that, the catch that set Thielen over 100 yards receiving was that. It was like a 10-yard catch, but it was, you know, all the yards after the catch, 44 yards on the play action. Um, and I asked Kirk about that. He's like, yeah, I don't, I couldn't figure out why it was <laughs> no, so open. Me either. Like, none I, of us could either. I watched it back in slow motion. I was like, I have no idea what happened there. And there were plays that were even left on the field. Like, consider how... Uh, great of a performance it was overall by Cousins. He's got like 135 quarterback rating or something. And there were a few times where I was like, oh, you know, Kyle Rudolph was wide open on that play or, uh, you know, Thielen and Diggs. There's one play near the goal line that's, you know, maybe 15, 20 yards out. And both Thielen and Diggs are single covered. <laughs> like, great plan, Giants. That's exactly what you should do. It, and it wasn't just Delvin Cook drawing a lot of attention either. The throws to Delvin Cook, there's one where Amir Abdullah goes behind the formation and into the flat, and there's four guys looking at him. Meanwhile, Delvin Cook's on the other side wide open. Like that, there, that was a mess. Anyway, okay. Back Pat, to, Pat Shermer can't be everywhere, Matthew. I know. I mean, can't be, he cannot tell you how to game plan for their offense, I even though he ran it for two years. They don't have much talent either. I made the joke to Jonathan that if a linebacker's wearing number 45, it's probably a bad sign. Like, if they're starting linebackers out there with number 45, you think this guy can't be good, right? You, you, no, no, self-respecting linebackers wearing but it's, forty-five. It's within the it's within the number range. Sure, but that's like a special teamer being like, get out there. Who's the best linebacker think, who wears number forty-five? Haven't there been some good linebackers there that have won, worn forty-four? Might be forty-four. Um, what's um, 
the guy from Jacksonville might have worn 44, but you know, as a general rule. Okay, sure. As a general yeah, 50s rule, that's, are, 50s are higher. 50s are linebacker numbers. Yeah. Anyway, so it was it was a complete mess. I would not suspect that their future opponents will be that clueless when it comes to trying to defend the Vikings. Um, potential trades. What do you think about the Trent Williams idea? It's still out there. Well, he's been collecting dust for like five weeks now, more than that. Um, Washington's got to move him. Like if they're going to start over completely with, you know, John Jay Gruden's gone, they're going to allegedly focus on the run more and, and they want to be that team. I figured, I thought Bill Callahan, I thought when I That's heard tremendous. him say that, I was like, am I talking to Mike Zimmer right now? Um, but no, I mean, it's, they can get a first round pick for Williams and potentially even more. I think. So they need to be looking for teams that need offensive line help. I know that in Barnwell's article, he has them trading to, uh, he's like, there's plenty of teams, but there's only one obvious candidate. And I was like, huh? There's, I thought there'd be more than that. He has them going to the Browns. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, wow. that, after last like, night. After I thought about that, I was wow. like, okay, that's fair. They, the topical. Browns also tried to block Bosa with a tight end mm-hmm. yesterday and it was the most funny how thing teams that seen. do that realize I mean well if you could talk to Kyle Rudolph about that he loves blocking defense favorite ends. thing in the entire world um just yes. loves blocking Khalil Mack it's what he always dreamed of could I could I see <laughs> Trent Williams coming here um well what's going to happen with Riley Reef and who are you going to pair him with because there how are you making the cap space also I like I think the thing we need to talk about first when it comes to trades and any player, anything that's going to happen in this calendar year, or up until when's the draft next year, like April 26th again, they cannot get rid of the first-round pick that they currently have. They are they need they are probably going to have to draft a quarterback. Looks like a pretty decent quarterback draft at the moment. And, and right now it looks okay with Jalen Hurts. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa will be gone by then. There's Justin Gilbert. There's the Herbert. other Herbert. Yeah. Um, Jordan Love is another guy okay. people like. There's some, yeah. And there's a few others that might sneak into the first round, but there's at least those top three guys that we know um, right now. And so I think you protect that first round pick at all costs if you're Rick Spielman, but you could still potentially entertain the idea of getting some offensive line help, figuring out your cornerback situation uh, beyond this season by potentially moving some pieces and gaining some pieces. Um, and if you want to entertain the idea of a Stefan Diggs trade, like while I certainly do not think they move him by the deadline. A, because they're not really an active team at the deadline ever with this current regime. Um, and B, they do not want to move him. Mike Zimmer wants him here. The front office wants him here. Like, just not logical to trade a good player right now um, who you have under contract for three more years. But Who's young. Who's young. Good. But I could, you know, I'm not going to put the possibility of seeing him gone in the offseason in March. I would agree with that. But it just has to be a lot. I mean, even if someone offers you a first-round pick, this was Peter King throwing it out there, saying that Diggs isn't worth a first-round pick. What? Like, are you out of your bleeping mind? Is, that, he's not, is he just like, using the logic that he was a fifth-rounder and he's not I, a top-ten receiver think, by yeah, some accounts and yeah. things like that? Okay. I, th- like, I think it's just, oh, well, he's the number two receiver on that team. But as we know, he's either, he's a number one on he's either exactly as good or a little better than Adam Thielen at <laughs> actually doing the things that make receivers great. And that's part of his frustration is that he knows that. And there was... <laughs> 
you see it on tape all the time. I'm sure when you look at this, you see the same thing. Is like Diggs stealing people's souls out there and then just not getting the ball. I mean, did did, I mean there was on that. I think on the Thielen 44 yard catch, Diggs was yep. wide open for a touchdown. Yep, absolutely, and it's got to add to the uh, frustration. Are we using the word frustration? Yeah, I think so. Media, you are media, so I guess you can use that. Only media used the word frustration. Yes. No players, just media. Actually, um, but. I could see it in the offseason. It wouldn't make any sense now. No. I mean, Peter King is saying, oh, trade him for a second and a fourth or something this year if things go sideways. But things can't go sideways enough to trade Stephon Diggs. The worst you can be going into the buy or the trade deadline is four and four, I think, with this team. If they lost the next two, they're still beating Washington. Washington fired their coach and has zero wins. Doesn't know who their quarterback is. Like you're beating that team, and that's at home. Like you're you're beating that team. No matter the trade what. deadline would be. Yeah, that's the last game before the trade deadline, which is October 29th. Right. So you're um, not the worst. Yeah, the worst thing on the second half of the season four and four. It doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, you would the only scenario where you could trade digs would be to someone who's going to give you back something really good, but then you have to put somebody into a system they don't know for the second half of the season. It was a Miles Jack, by the way, who wore 44, the linebacker. He's okay. pretty good. Still, usually a tell for you're not a good linebacker, you're a special teamer if you're wearing in the mid-40s. Um, the Trent Williams idea for Diggs doesn't make sense to me because even though Williams is great, he's older, he's been hurt. I don't know how to make that thing happen. Like It, it makes a lot of sense. And Riley Reef against good edge rushers is not helpful. Do you think they're kicking themselves now saying... We really should have moved him inside to left guard, kept Pat Alfline at center, and then they could have drafted differently or drafted a tackle. They could have gotten Andre Dillard. Well, that's always going to be, the what for if me, game. the thing I go back to is I know that they already had a left tackle for this year. We're trying to find a scheme fit. But the number one most important thing in football in winning and always has been is how well do you pass the football and how well do you protect your quarterback to do it. We saw what Kirk Cousins did, although the Giants had no clue what was going on in the secondary. It was a peewee team. But anyway, <laughs> like Cousins had time. Yeah. And there were throws where he dropped back three steps, took a hitch, took a throw, and right on the money. Like He can do those things if he has time. His best season, 2016, was when he had a lot of time to throw the football because they had a great offensive line. And to draft a center who's not really good at pass blocking is always going to be questionable, I think. Because you wanted to run outside zone. And to draft a center that high. I know that we all... Especially when the other centers in the draft, a lot of people had them about equal, and Mm -hmm. they've performed better than him so far. Yeah, and I mean, you you can make the scheme fit argument over, you know, high ceiling or anything else, and that they can develop in, and that'll take time, but... The way the like, I think the offensive line. I think it's fair to say they've gotten by this year. It hasn't been a complete, total, utter meltdown collapse like we saw at certain points in 2018. But eventually, that unit's going to get probably a little bit more exposed than it has oh, been. Yeah. Um, even last week with Pat Elfline and Garrett Bradbury. I mean, there was botched which snaps. I know Alex Boone can't um, wait to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it just it it didn't look great. And so, can you upgrade the offensive line? Right now, or ahead of the trade deadline, sure. I mean, Trent Trent Williams is an option. Um, at that point, it's Reef and probably. A f- I'm not giving up that first round pick, so Reef in a second and something else. I mean, there's never going to be a straight up player pl- player for player trade. Doesn't Washington so, have to live in reality that they're just 
not ever going to have Trent Williams play football for them again. I mean, this guy has made enough money to where he doesn't have to play their game. Like, he could just say, I'm done. At 31 years old, I'm going to retire. Yeah, The Vikings just don't have that cap space right now. So you have yeah. to think about it logically of, like, where can you, who can you move? Like, and what else are they going to ask for? Because they're definitely asking for a draft pick on top of a player. I think so. So what happened with Trent Williams' cap hit here? Now, it looks... Uh, much smaller than it did before. Did something happen with his cap hit in terms look. of the date and things like that? Because right now, over the cap says $3.5 million would be his cap. Must be for the rest of the way? Or what does that mean? Is that a mistake? Let's see. Washington Redskins. I thought, I thought it was in the in, in a much higher range than that. Um, because next year it says $14 million for him. I have him at uh, ESPN's uh, roster management system has him with a $11 million cap Okay, hit. that's what I thought. Um, there must be something off here with over the cap. But I do think that there's something there that might have something to do because he was on the do not report list. Okay, if something triggered there that, so it's a lower cap hit, then all in. Yeah, so it says roster bonus of $15,625 per game active, maximum value is two hundred fifty k. $150,000 base salary de-escalator fail if player fails to complete workouts. Oh, okay. So that goes into it as well. Let me throw this scenario at you then. We're, we've sort of assumed that you would move Reef to Washington if you were going to make that trade. Well, what if you didn't? Now the cap space becomes a little harder, but if it is a smaller cap hit, then it's a lot more realistic. What if instead you moved Riley Reef inside, like they had talked about, to guard? Because it's not working with Pat Elfline right now. And what do you do with Elfline? Move him back to center? Because it's not working with Bradbury. It's not working with Bradbury either. I would say either move him to center or move him to left bench. I mean, it's been that bad. I, I get the Giants, the whole, the, whole rest, the whole rest of the offensive line against the Giants, including Garrett Bradbury, had a good day. And Elfline got smoked. And it's like, man, if you can't hold down the Giants, that is an abysmal defense. Yeah, and I mean, their pass rush was at points, I will say. It was bad. They weren't I, bad. There were there were a few times when Kirk dropped back, and I was like, "Just roll out!" Uh, yeah, like well, I mean, and he's always going to make everyone look better, and that's, that's right. fine. Like, but I mean, yeah, it's the biggest thing to me is when are we going to look back at that and say they never should have moved him from center, Pat Alfine? That is, they they never should have. I mean, he's not a fit really in this scheme. Like, if they're talking about outside zone things like that, and they, yeah, they do mix a lot of um, blocking schemes, but for the majority of what they run. He looks like he's always the guy getting blown by and looking behind him and wondering how that guy got in the backfield. And um, we can't blame it on injuries anymore. It's not, mm-hmm. oh, well, he had an offseason, he had two surgeries, things like that. Like, it's a big problem now. And he's yeah. he's the weak link, and he's getting exposed. I mean, Josh Klein, like, think about what they did with the like the entire offseason with this offensive line. They guarantee him $7.5 million, and he's an average right guard. But he's played better than your guy that you drafted, you know, with your third round pick two mm-hmm. years ago that you anticipated could potentially be your franchise center. Yeah. Like they're, they're gonna let Bradbury work through it. I mean, if they don't, they, it's just and, gonna be such a bad look. And they can't because they can't, because like think about it, like with you know, they already had to kind of admit the mistake with Elfline. They can't do it like for two out of three years with Bradbury and be like, Yeah, well, you know, we've got to go draft another center, <laughs> we've got to go draft another interior lineman and, next year. And if you think about it, going left to right. You have a $50 million left tackle who hasn't really been very good for you. 
a left, a left at best. I mean, but not a pass protection, which to me is more valuable. So I think he's just been poor. And then a left guard who got moved away from center, a center who is being trucked over constantly by anyone who's any good at football, a right guard who's not all that good and costs you $10 million guaranteed, and a right tackle who's good. <laughs> like, yeah. So, no. so you went one for five with all of that investment on the offensive line. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. We come back. I was taking a look at Anthony Barr's game, and I want to make a comparison that I think is right, but also might make you wince about Anthony Barr. When we come back, you listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Score North Download Time. Jonathan here with this hour's download. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up at 4 o'clock. You can join them tomorrow night at Stella's Fish Cafe from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in Minneapolis for a special live podcast recording. Hang out with the guys and our friends from Tullamore Dew Whiskey as they talk playoff baseball, Vikings football, and more. That's tomorrow night from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at Stella's in Minneapolis. Twins getting knocked out of the playoffs again, meaning their streak of not winning the playoffs continues on and their manager, Rocco Baldelli, talking about the season and how he's not frustrated. I mean it when I say to you that I do not sit here frustrated at all. I sit here, I am extremely happy and extremely proud of everything that we just went through um, over the course of this season. Uh, our guys should be walking out of that clubhouse with their heads held high and they never they never stop playing. Our, our guys uh, continue to fight day in and day out. Um, we got beat over the last three days, and there's no way around that. And that's going to happen from time to time. But what an amazing season it was, and and it was it was very special uh, for me. And I, and I told the guys as much. And and I hope every single person in that clubhouse feels as as proud as I do right now. Sure was an amazing season, only that you ended it by getting swept by the Yankees in the playoffs. Twins fans, are you frustrated? Let us know over at at Score North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. No, we learned, Jonathan, that only the media is frustrated. Even yeah. if you tell the media in interviews that you are frustrated, then you go back and say, no, 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 that's you. <laughs> so at least Rocco can't come back and claim, no, you're frustrated. Because, I mean, he would be right. He said he wasn't, except for how in the hell could you not be frustrated after you score seven runs in three games with the alleged best offense ever? I don't know. I'm frustrated. I mean, it's irritating to me. Just like don't condescend to your fans by saying stuff like that. Like, that, that kind of sounds like a year audience. zero type comment yeah, of code, treat, code words. Yes. And don't treat fans like they're stupid. To me, that's just treating people like they have no clue. Oh, we're not frustrated. It was great. Everything was fantastic. What did he say? We didn't stop playing. Well, yeah. of, what did you expect that Nelson Cruz to toss his bat in the stands? I'm done. <laughs> like I'm out of here. I can't hit Severino. Like well, of course they were gonna walk up to the plate. It sure didn't look like they kept playing by the at-bats late in that game. But sure, just go up to the podium and tell everyone that they're an idiot and believe what you're saying. I mean, us covering Mike Zimmer, the thing I will always give him credit for is he goes up there and says a lot of truth. Kind of walks right up to the line and sometimes goes over it. 
but at least he doesn't go up there and say, guys, we, did, we didn't lose to the Bears. Who are the Bears? I didn't even see any Bears out there. Right? Did I you mean, see Pat Shermer's comment after the gosh. game about losing sleep? It was a really good one. No, I didn't. Um, so he was asked, I think, by a television reporter uh, from the tri-state area about, here it is, uh, like, you know, lose, not believing, you know, it's really, it doesn't believe in moral victories. I think the question was phrased about, well, can you take any, have any good takeaways? I mean, this was top defense and blah, blah, blah. It said, and he said, quote, it's not going to change my sleep pattern knowing we played against a good defense. That's a bull blank mentality. We're out there to win games regardless of how good the other team is. I love when coaches do that. And it was like, you know, making me be like, man, I miss Pat Shermer. Yeah, well, his offense he picked that up some, was decent. Yeah. They needed to finish some like drives. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you can say, and that's the other thing, too, is like you can say that the Yankees were a better team and they outplayed us and we made mistakes and we didn't have the at-bats that we should have had. Like Acknowledge what everyone just saw. To walk back into the podium after you lose a series like that where you just completely no-showed. Your offense did not show up for October. You left it in September. And to do that and then say, oh, no, this was great. Judd might even argue that they left it back in like August. I just I, I just get kind of offended. And I, I don't know if fans necessarily care at first when it's something like this. But if you go through things next year and beyond and Baldelli keeps doing this, you can pretty much guarantee that you won't earn any good feelings from fans by BSing them. And Mike Zimmer, I think Mike Zimmer actually has a lot of fans in his corner, if not the entire fan base still, or a very high percentage of it, in part because of the fact that he comes out and says what's going on. He says the truth. When it doesn't go well, he comes out and says it didn't go well. Well, I think during the week, you get a very different Zimmer who is towing the line of how can I say this appropriately, when I, and yes, how do I let you know a little bit of what I'm feeling, but hiding about 98% of it. I mean, when we go back to last week and all the chaos that was going on uh, from you know re- quarterback to receiver apologies and receivers not showing up for work, um, he he didn't say a whole ton. And I could, I mean, you could read right through that. Well, that's the thing is that even when Zimmer tries to sugarcoat something, he's just not very good at it. He which, has tells, and again, they're very obvious. Which, again, I have a great deal of respect for. Um, okay, so I uh, gotta just let me get to the comparison in just a second. But a good tweet from Greg that compared it to what Cousins said at the end of the year. That's when, what I was saying about year zero. Yeah, okay, you That's were referring cold to words. Well, that was a PJ Fleck thing, too, so I wasn't sure which one you were going with. Kirk, but yeah, Kirk the, said year zero, correct? Did he say year zero? I'm I think fairly well, certain I, he I, did in that, in that press that conference in December. Us snarking about it later, where he was saying, well, it's just, oh, it's just year one. Just year one. It's just year one, is how he put it. And, it was, and then we made the jokes about year zero um, because of PJ Fleck. But, I mean, the same thing. Oh, yeah, next next year, is uh, it's going to be great. This was just our first year together. It's like, what? They brought you in here to take a team that went to the NFC Championship over the top. And Cousins realized, by the way, after that, that he did not strike the right tenor for the no, fan and base, I think for he, sure. I think he's done a good job this year. I mean, maybe a little extreme at times, but um, I think he's done a good job trying to rectify that. Okay, so here's the... Um, the, the quick Anthony Barr thing. Anthony Barr had a great game. He was dominant. And it just made me think about him as being like Kirk Cousins in that he can dominate sometimes teams that aren't all that good. But the times where they've needed him this year, he really hasn't been on that same level. 
Like they needed him against Chicago. They needed him against Green Bay. They needed him last year in Week 17 against Jordan Howard, who's playing here this week. And it just was not the same. And that's where you, you get into the contracts and stuff where we've talked about with Xavier Rhodes. This team really showed a lot of belief in the pieces that they always had. And some of those flaws really are exaggerated when you're paying that much in cap space for them when you're in a tight situation. So with Xavier Rhodes, if they had all sorts of cap room, you'd be like, eh, well, you know, it's not going super well, but just bench him. Like, who cares about the cap hit? Sure, bring him back in the offseason. Maybe he'll get it together. Oh, it didn't work out. Too bad. But when you're really up against it and your offensive line isn't that good and you could use other parts elsewhere, it looks like you sort of mismanaged that money. So they had three players that they could have moved on from to create a ton of space. Griffin has been unbelievable. So he has completely proven that they made the right move. And he might hit free agency at this rate because he has all these voids in his contract that if he... It's playing time, sack numbers, things like that. He is well on his way to, you know, proving that, hey, I can get another big deal. But as you bring up, Kyle Rudolph averaging, yeah, averaging yeah, three, three, a catch per four, game. Four, um, four players that they brought back, three of them have mm-hmm. come nowhere close to being above average. They've all been not better than their backups. Rhodes hasn't been better than Hughes in Hughes's short stint. Um, Wilson was fine. Irv Smith has been just as good or better than Kyle Rudolph. Mm-hmm. And that when that happens, you kind of look at it and go, did you guys not see the writing on the wall because you wanted to believe in your guys? Well, they overpaid for the two that we... I mean, Rhodes is already here. Like, I think that the... If you want to talk about the three, I, th- I would limit it to everybody but Rhodes in that conversation. I mean... There was never any serious conversation of moving of moving on from him this past off season, not to my knowledge. But the other three it should have been like, well, I mean, that's that's a moot point. But the other three were actual like, hey, you could move on from these guys. Yeah. Anthony Barr was literally out the door, and you said, no, no, we'll, we'll take you back if you don't want to go to New York. I mean, is he the Kirk Cousins of the defense because he's doing this against really bad teams? And and I mean, we saw what he did in. Um, Week one, he looked really good. Week two, I think, um, was okay in Green Bay. I want to say it wasn't great. Uh, obviously, in Chicago, did not look good. Um, in this past game, he looked great. I mean, do you think that this is potentially the biggest, I guess, maybe like test for him, what they have coming up through the Eagles? I mean, there's Jordan Howard, um, but there's Ooh. also like that pass. Like, they spread the ball around a ton. Green Bay, he gave up eight for eight into his coverage for 60 yards and had his worst PFF grade. So Sorry, I was thinking of the Raiders game. That was the one the week after, right? Um, didn't play week in the Raiders game. Three. Played still poorly in Chicago. Atlanta and New York were his good games. Okay. And, you know, that's kind of been a trend for him where it's like good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Oh, yeah, and I that's forgot why, he had the hamstring injury. Yes, that was the Raiders game. That's where the comparison comes from. And I, and I think it's close enough where... He does a lot of great things, mm-hmm. and he's got a lot of impressive skills, but it does not show up every single week and make an impact, and that's where you go, well, is, is it worth the money? And that's where that comparison to Cousins comes from. All right, uh, we're uh, going to come right back. Alex Boone is ready to go, and he sent me a very aggressive text message wanting to break down Monday Night Football, so I am Ooh. not going to turn him down with that. We will discuss next, give his thoughts on Baker Mayfield, what happened last night, and what should happen Uh, With the Vikings going forward as we head into Philly week, we will be right back here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. 
we talked today about having, uh, or this week, about having a firm pocket. You know, that's important in the passing game as well. You know, it's not just, you know, throwing and catching. It's about being in the right place and protection, uh, backs being in there. And so, you know, I thought, I thought that part was, was good today. That was Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. Um, they're talking about the offensive line holding up against the New York Giants. As, I mean, as any, any offensive line that has living beings could have done uh, the way Whoa. that they played. Yeah, I went there. Alex Boone joining us. Um, Dude. Sorry, sorry, Alex. It was You did not what, just do that. What an abysmal performance by the Giants defense. I'm sorry. I was laughing watching their tape at them quadruple teaming Laquan Treadwell. Like what? What were they? What were they doing? That's as bad of a defensive performance as I have ever seen on tape. I mean, I thought it was funny though when I heard that you guys had to look up who the DC was. James Betcher, yeah, from uh, Arizona. That's right. He was. Uh, he so was many people say that. Yeah, they're like, who the who's this Betts guy? Like, what, what's <laughs> up with them? Like, does he know how to call a defense or what? Uh, not that no. day. Not Clearly that not. day. He didn't. No, but hey, dude, seriously though, you know who played a great game? I thought for them was Jabril Peppers. Oh yeah, oh, God, yeah, yeah. He killed yeah, he you was the only one alive it. out there. That dude might get the neck roll of the week for me. I mean, the way he came up on that taxi was incredible. I mean, he was smacking everybody all the way down to Dalvin. It was incredible. Yeah, no, he played really well. And it looks to me, when you just look at the players they have, like they have more talent than they were able to show when they were allowing players to be wide the hell open all (laughs) over the field. I mean... There's there's plays in that game, Alex, where they're flooding one side of the field and no one's carrying their wide receivers and their guys looking at each other and pointing and saying, wait, wait, weren't you supposed to be over there and I'm supposed to be over here? Like They just looked completely baffled at what they were supposed to do against play-action bootlegs like they run those in peewee. Dude, the the cliche point at the other guy, like, dude, it was you. No, it was, <laughs> yeah. no, it was you. Like, because yet the, uh, the truth is, on TV, everyone's like, well, whose fault? Well, I don't know. I don't know whose fault it was, but the guy in the field, he knows it was his fault. Like, yeah. he's like, dude, I'm just trying to play it off on that guy. Trying to, uh, no, uh, what? Who was it? Oh, I must have not heard the call. I couldn't get it into my helmet. Um, kind of like X a little bit, you know. So he's like, wait a minute, no help yes. over the top. What? I thought they, we said no two. That was one. Okay. Or, or the, when he or gets help over, off. yeah, when he gets help over the top, he gets hit in the head. So that was rough. Um, that was pretty rough. Okay, Alex, you sent me a text that you wanted to talk about what happened last night. Um, where Where do you want to go with this? You did not Dude, give me an I'm idea of what you wanted to talk about with San Francisco and Cleveland. I want to start with why was there a tight end blocking Nick Bosa? <laughs> okay, listen. Before anybody goes anywhere, we start talking about how the Browns didn't even show up. Who lets a tight end that nobody's ever even heard of block the number two overall pick in the draft? Like, what moron goes, you know what, guys? I got it right here. Dude. Uh, It's a great question. I feel like we saw that uh, a little bit with Kyle Rudolph and uh, Khalil Mack. Oh, okay. Yeah, did that did that bring up any like shades of that for you when well, you were watching that this, last you know night? This even there happened was a little uh, bit too this week. I mean, there was a few times the tight ends were blocking defensive ends this week, and Kirk got hit, and it was kind of like, "Hey guys, are we not seeing a trend around the league? Like this is not good." Yeah, that happened. I think in the NFC Championship game when Case Keenum got stripped, that somebody like Brandon Graham or someone really good was on a tight end, and that's just never going to work. I think it was against David Morgan, maybe. And he's a good blocker, but he's not going to take on Brandon Graham and succeed when tackles can't. I I feel like, Alex, that's a lot of offensive coordinators sort of outsmarting themselves. Like, oh no, I've got this play design. We'll just have the oh, tight yeah. end block that guy. But that guy's a killer. I mean, it's like we saw in uh, Green Bay versus Philly when Barnett came around the edge and got the sack fumble. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, I, and I used to hear these OCs in this meeting, and I can't tell you how many times I would look at them like, dude, you cannot be for real. Like, they'd be like, listen, <laughs> the ball is going to get out, guys. Don't worry, okay? We're going to be open here, here, and here. Oh, God. Here we go. Like, and they would get called in the huddle, and you'd be like, oh, please, God, don't be in the over front. You get up there, the center's like, over. You're like, oh, boy, he's all alone. He's got no help. It's over. <laughs> Nobody to save us. Man. So the 49ers are 4-0. The NFC West looks probably different than most people would have expected at this point. Um, the one thing I th- I'm looking back over um, at the box score right now, and it's I just keep looking at that rushing column. What what does Kyle Shanahan know that we don't? Because I mean, just for him to scheme, I mean, we talk about him with the fullback and reinventing that position, and what he gets out of George Kittle, and just using his personnel so wisely um, in some of the formations that they had that featured the running backs. What did you like the most from that last night? I mean, I think you said using the players the way they needed to be used. I mean. He uses Kyle Juszczyk better than anybody could ever use a fullback like that. I mean, he's everywhere, right? Like, he's out playing X, he's playing the F, he's in the slot, he's a fullback, he's a tailback at times. Like, the dude's all over the field, and he's so vital. I mean, when he got hurt, I almost kind of, like, gasped, like, oh, my God, this might they might kind of stutter a little bit because he's the guy that they need to motion and shift, and he's the one that's like, hey, listen, we need a critical block here. Juszczyk's like, dude, I can make this look easy. And then, oh, we need a critical catch. No problem. I'll throw a few guys around. Like, he is huge for their offense, but I think that when you're looking at this offense, I've been a huge fan of Brita for a long time. I've always kind of thought he has a little bit of Adrian Peterson, the way he runs. He's a tough back, and as soon as he hits it, that hole, he's gone. Like He has one cut, and I'm gone, dude. I'm not going to mess around. I'm not going to play around. And we shot the first play. 85 yards for a touchdown. If you want to send a message to everybody, you did it on Monday night, and you did a great job. I got two questions for you about the Cleveland Browns. Um, Baker Mayfield, is he just not that great, uh, overhyped? Is he wilting underneath sort of the pressure of being the winner of the offseason, which I think we see happen a lot? Or was Cleveland just never that great to begin with? No, listen. (laughs) We've all looked at this roster like, dude, they are stacked. Yeah, they have good players. At every position. But that can sometimes be your biggest downfall because there's so many egos in the room. I think Baker is a combination of a lot of things. He's got a lot of moxie to him. He's a funny dude. I think people start to think that maybe that makes him a little bit better of a quarterback than he is. He's still young. He's still learning. I mean, I feel like people treat him like he's a 10-year vet. You're like, listen, this guy's in year number two, okay? He's going to learn a lot in the next two years from now. He's finding out a lot of things. Like, number one, when you're under pressure, don't throw the ball, okay? Sometimes you got to take the sack or you got to throw it away. But I'm not going to blame that whole game on him because I thought that offensive line got worked by four dudes, yeah. and it, they looked atrocious. Yep. I mean, at, at times, Nick Bosa went through two, three people, and I was like, dude, is anybody going to show up today? Is anybody, did, they, did Freddie not tell him this was a live game? Because they looked bad. Well, what was up with the turnovers, too? They had four. And, I mean, I, that, that goal line one is still going to haunt me where the ball bounces off of Callaway's chest. Like, Incredible. Is it what, – what do you boil this down to? I mean – can we say they're not prepared? I mean, we know what these teams go through every single week. Um, so I don't know if that's really, if it's fair to chalk it up. Is that like, what is it? I think that they've I, played some good teams. That's kind of my theory. That well, ball that, bouncing off your chest. Well, that's yeah, okay. That, yeah, yeah, that's just a and, terrible and, play I mean, by the receiver. Baker but I mean, the, 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 whole, the accumulation of the whole thing. Yeah, and Baker had the two interceptions. I get that. But I mean, how much of that is just on them? Uh, the whole game is on them. I mean, you go, the problem is, 
everybody's crowned them the AFC North champs in this playoff team because of their roster. And everyone's saying, dude, listen, you should be smoking teams with this roster. Like, we get it. You don't have Kareem Hunt yet. People keep forgetting they're going to get Kareem Hunt in, like, what, three weeks? Mm-hmm. And then you're hopefully going to get David and Joku back. I mean, this team is still like trying to catch the people on the train. Like, hey, listen, we're still waiting for a couple guys to go. But you're still looking at a team that is stacked everywhere. How could you not put up points? Everyone's trying too much. They're trying to do too much. And the O-line sucks. They can't get Baker to sit there for a minute because the minute he sees color, he's like, dude, I'm gone somewhere. And all of a sudden, I'm running in circles. Nick Bosa at one time went through two guys, fell down, got up, and still got the sack. Dude, throw the ball away. Like, Freddie's over here kind of getting pissed on the sidelines. You can see Freddie's verb, like, visually, like, yo, we need to go, guys. You're not doing anything. And we said we were going to do this in practice. It's, it, to me, it's too many people, like, trying to do too much. And Baker is just not ready for prime time yet. Do you think, and maybe this is me going out on a limb, but I was listening to the Monday Night Countdown people, uh, just with the, you know, what they're talking about with Odell Beckham. And yeah, he hasn't showed up. I mean, he hasn't had a whole ton of opportunities. Are there shades that you can compare of the Beckham situation in Cleveland to Diggs' frustration here? And how do you think that that's going to go? Because, I mean, yeah, he did throw a pass yesterday. Um, That was cool play design, but they also didn't want return a punt. Probably not cool play design. Like Also, what's he doing on that punt return? I I have no idea. Um, What's what's the deal? I mean, can you see this Beckham thing becoming a big problem in Cleveland? I I just, I don't, I don't. I don't know that I see it as Diggs' type of problem. It's like two different problems to me, right? Like Odell's in a problem because he is OBJ's the best receiver technically in this league. Like he has the most cachet and everything about him, so he's not getting his yards and numbers. It boils down to a lot of things. Number one, the old line's struggling. Number two, Baker's struggling because of that. And number three, the offense is kind of going nowhere without Nick Chubb. You need a run game. Everybody keeps abandoning their run game, like guys, we're not doing anything. I know. You're playing the number three defense in the NFL, and you ran it like what, 15 times? And you were like, we're good. We got to go out. We're going to put this whole game on Baker. Like, dude, you have to just keep pounding away, chipping away every play. You got to keep going. More play action. Stop letting Baker stand back there and get hit and run around and do all this. Look what Kirk Cousins did this last weekend. Couple boots, and all of a sudden, boys, we're back. Hey. We're good, right? I mean, that's exactly what happened. We kind of started out the game like, not sure. We're going to see. A couple boots later, I go, man, they are, they're in stride. They're hitting rhythm. They're good. Yeah, from the first drive, it was pretty clear that they were going to run the Giants' defense out of the building, and it, and it was good execution there. But I, let me ask you something about Baker. As, the, um, as a guy who loves to respond to people on Twitter and go to the podium when Rex Ryan said he was trash and say, yeah. like, oh, Rex Ryan doesn't have a job anymore. Is like, it seems like, it seems like the, the kid, it seems like the kid is really easy to get at though, right? Yeah. I mean, that if you poke him a little bit, it's going to throw him off. I, I play rec league basketball. Okay. And <laughs> I know it's rec league basketball, but this is a thing that's real in rec league. Early in the game, if you see a guy who kind of looks like a bit of a hothead, you just give him a little elbow on a rebound. See what happens. You know what I mean? Just a little bit. And then he'll be like, oh, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And then he'll make mistakes all the rest of the game. He's like, oh, I'm going to show this dude up. I'm going to show everybody. And then he's missing threes and everything else. It happens all the time. I think it's just a human nature thing. And I wonder about Baker. There's got to be a reason, right, Alex, that no NFL quarterback acts this way, that all of them try to stay like buttoned up and kind of even keeled and all that thing. And Baker's like, no, I'm going to be myself. But if you're letting everybody get to you because that draws a lot of attention, I think that could be a problem. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely great when it's everybody's laughing and he's ha-ha and ki-ki and all this. But the minute somebody gets in his head, he goes sideways. And he is like the guy, the little kid throwing a tenter tantrum at like the, the restaurant. You're like, dude, oh, my God, is this for real? If you, if you, <laughs> you listen, have no experience with that, though, right? With no, four not kids. at all. Four kids. I know, they're all crazy. <laughs> I was actually listening to uh, Nick Bosa's interview, and he was like, dude, the whole game, we were just messing with Baker. And I was laughing hysterically because mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? At some point, it's like an immaturity thing. Like, if you're really going to let guys on the field bother you that much, then everybody's going to come after you. Yep. Once they see that it affects you, like, I'm sure that the first time that Nick Bosa said something to him, Baker probably fired back, and the whole defense was like, dude, it's on. I We're mean, just going to keep talking to him. Even Richard Sherman yeah, not, not shaking his hand or whatever. Or Baker, Baker, Baker not hand. shaking like, Richard yeah, Sherman's hand. Like, right from the very beginning, it seems like he's thrown off there. That's, that's a classless move, and I want to say that because – there was a lot of controversy about how him and Hugh Jackson did that, right? Like, he didn't do Hugh right, whatever. Mm-hmm. How a player treats a coach is nobody's business, right? A coaches are coaches. And if a player totally riffs with one and wants to push one aside and be like, yo, get out of my way, that's fine. Because I know how coaches are with players. So I get that dynamic. But when you snub a player like that, dude, that's just rude. And I'm going to be straight with you. I don't care if you lost by a million. Like, you still have to have the decency to be like, yo, man, good game. Yeah, and and you're not a Richard Sherman guy. I, I <laughs> we we know uh, that San Francisco and Seattle close, battled. You'd be surprised how close Richard and I actually are. I oh, mean, really? I actually, okay. Yeah, I actually really like Richard. I think he's a good dude. I think at times he tries to just purposely start fights, which is annoying. <laughs> but I mean, when you talk to him, there was a few times during the games that we would speak. You know, when it wasn't yeah. such a rivalry. I mean, those like, were when great it was a, games, dude. When it was a rivalry, it was on. Like it was. If you said anything, it was something like, "I'm gonna kill you at the bottom <laughs> of the pile." Like it was like we yeah. all hated each other, and it started from the top, which made it even more fun. But he is a great dude, and he and when somebody like that like tries to shake your hand, whether they're trying to do it in like a mal- malicious way or not, you still kind of gotta give them props. Like, dude, you you did intercept me today earlier. You're right. Okay. Yeah. You know? I- now was it? Uh, I think it was even before the game, like when the captains were out there, that he wouldn't. Do was that? It. It. it was oh, a coin toss. Was it before? Yeah, it was I thought before. it was after the game that they were all talking. I was like, "Damn, dude!" And I mean, I think before, before is even game, worse. It's way worse. And that's, dude, that's his, that's his thing that he's got to stop. That I mean, that's as a quarterback, sometimes you have to ride the line, and you could be yourself. Look at Aaron Rodgers; he does a great job of being himself, yet being a quarterback. Like he's funny at times, but at times you can tell when he's serious, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Wow, okay, I get you." You can tell easily when he's not joking anymore. You're right with Baker; it's like a little kid, like, "Dude, we're gonna poke him and see what happens," and then the whole game is just gone. Um, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, there are some issues in two different areas with the Vikings, and which one should they be trying to solve first? We will discuss Alex Boone, Courtney Crone, and Matthew Collar here, Purple Daily on Score North. Okay. Something didn't something didn't fire correctly, so we'll extend the tease so I can forget it even more when we well, come back. Uh, we just uh, didn't fire the commercial because of a computer error. So, Jonathan, just give me a sign when you need to to do that. Um, so, okay, we'll we'll get into it a little bit right now. Well, we've got a, a couple of seconds here. I think Alex, that um, offensive left guard slash center, <laughs> could be an issue. <laughs> And I also think that alleged number one corner could be an issue. Wow, Tell me which one of those that you want the Vikings to address first and how. I think it, you I think you have to address obviously the Elf line. 
Uh, I think when you're talking about this offense, if you want this offense to go forward, take steps, you have to fix it. It's an easy fix to me. What do you do? You slide his way a little more. You give him more help out of the backs. Backs don't always have to help just the tackles. I've seen backs help guards, too. I've seen tight ends come in and help guards. I mean, dude, you can get creative in a lot of ways. And I think that if you can shore up that little problem, this offense can start taking strides in a major way. And to me, it's like Elfline sometimes looks like he doesn't want to be as aggressive as he really should be. I think he forgets sometimes that he's playing guard, and he's more like, I'm playing center. Like, dude, you're a guard now. You've got to start mauling, dude. You can't just be out there kind of like, hey, I, got, I don't have a lot of space. You've got a little more space now that you're out of guard. You've got to know how to use it better. Do you think there's a succession plan that we should be concerned about, though? Um, when we talk about you know, what happened with him, he was supposed to be the center, their franchise center. And then they're like, okay, that doesn't work, so we're going to move in the left guard. And then they've got Garrett Bradbury, and while he did look better, probably his best game of the oh, five yeah, by far. By um, far. on Sunday, like, he still struggled. And it's still going to be an up and down, uh, uphill battle when he has to play good defenses. So, so what's next for Pat Elfline? I mean, yeah, he's in his third year, and they'll probably keep him around another year. But do you are we already starting to think, okay, we need to either look to free agency or already start kind of draft tracking other ways for them to fix the offensive See, line? I've, I've been thinking about what's the level of patience even this year with other guards who can play. I mean, Brett Jones we've seen can play and has done it before, and I know he's slow at getting to the second level, but he can also pass block a little. And even Drew Samia was a guy that in camp got better and better. I mean, it seems to me like where they're at at left guard right now is about as low as you can be. Uh, right? I mean, really, like when you have guys that aren't any good just plowing right through you, I mean, it just it's not a good look. It's a tough thing because he's coming from center to guard. I'm telling you, it's so hard to yeah. think because because everyone goes, oh, well, now it's easier. You don't have your hand on the ball. It's different because the spacing is so much more. And you're, you know, now you can't, you don't set the line. That's his biggest problem. He is not getting depth. The entire core is not getting depth off the ball. And it's starting to piss me off more than it is Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Because that is the easiest fix in the world. When people start twisting you and they start slanting you and they start making you go 5-0 and all that good stuff, get off the ball. That It determines everything. Listen, if you can get off the ball, you can see everything. They all keep setting like they're centers, and it's like, dude, you don't understand. Everyone keeps messing with the three of you guys, particularly because you're not setting deep. Which, of course, the, of course, the Giants didn't do much of because they're just like dude. not watching other football games. Bro, their offensive line was even worse. At, at times, yeah, they all looked like revolving doors in the D-line. Like, Daniel Jones was like, oh, my God, at one point, please, God, don't <laughs> let me get hit again by these guys. And you could just see four purple jerseys coming through the line. I was like, oh, I feel, I feel bad for But at least rookie. the purple people are good. The, the Giants <laughs> defenders aren't even good, and they no. still had some success in the middle, but they didn't put anyone over Bradbury, which I didn't understand. Like, just just make it easy on him uh, for a lot of the day. But, um, you know, I... I guess we were talking about, Alex, before he came on, the potential of addressing it in the trade deadline. And I do sympathize with Pat Elfline. I mean, year one, he's really good. Courtney, you wrote a piece making an argument for Rookie of the Year that year that he should at least be in the conversation because he was so good as a rookie on a very successful team. 
And then last year, the injuries were tough. He tries to come back too early, and then he's back to full health, and they tell him to move positions. That's his three years in the NFL. It's not easy. And, uh, you know, I mean, some of these guys have long careers. You played with uh, Joe Berger, who was a backup for whatever number of years, and then turns out to be a good NFL player at age 32. So we do see... You know, these guys eventually become, you know, who they can be. But at this moment, this team can't sit around and say, well, let's just let them, you know, make progress. It seems to me that either schematically or with a change, something has to be addressed there. I agree. And Joe was great because he could adapt to everything and he could adapt to schemes and he understood what people wanted. And they were like, Joe, we're going to move you to guard now. And he was like, all right. No problem. I'm a, I'm a guard. Or they'd be like, hey, we want you to play Sarah. He'd be like, great. I get to do nothing Super like matter he, of fact about all of it. Yeah, like he would just be so calm and cool about it. But he was funny about it, too. But he knew the relationship between all the positions. Like, he didn't just go out there and go, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to play the guard like a center. Like, he would actually talk to me. And he was actually really smart. Like, at times I'd be like, Joe, that was actually really incredibly smart. Like, that was, he'd be like, dude, I know. He was great to talk to from a media perspective because he just awesome. has such great intelligence. And, and you know what I would like about him? And this is a, just an aside is if I was like, hey, does this work that way? He'd be like, no, nah, dude, nope. Let me tell you how it works. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm here for that. Um, but Joe is great. So, some guys, media-wise, will just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got it. And you're like, what? You know, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I want to know when it's right. Do you feel like they're kind of blowing you off? Uh, that would be the way to put it, yes. Sometimes <laughs> that happens. Or they just don't want to get into it because yes. they don't want to get into the terminal. Yeah. No. No, not no, quite. not quite turbo, but just a little Are bit of sure? a little bit of frustration from my standpoint. Sometimes is when you're like, so how does that work? And they're like, yeah. So uh, well, I don't really know. You're like, Dude, it's like you what? don't know. Like you see, you Deshaun, remember a play you know, from three years ago. Right, you see Deshaun like, Watson at the podium talking about you know all the different coverages that he saw that day. I'm like, I know you know this man. I just think that they think they might be giving an advantage. Yeah. by talking Ooh. about it like it's state secrets. <laughs> like, like I ran into that with Anthony Barr last year. Remember, it was yeah. was it the Philly game? Could have, it? could have been. It was. It was just asking him, kind of like, what are you looking at with like the offensive lineman for like, what do you? What's the first tell for you? When you're trying to see if they're going to sell play action, um, and like looking at your looking at their hips and things like that, and he he like would not go into it with me. And then Matthew goes back up to him about what two like, minutes later. And you're like, tell me. Like, granted, there were cameras around, so he, he, I went over to Eric Wilson and got the answer yeah, because it was yeah. it was. But like, there were people around, so I get it. Like, I, guys I asked don't him want off the to. record to explain it, which he did politely. Um, what did they say it was? By the way, they gave it away for I, you know what he was talking about. How he focused his keys were all with the running back, and he was talking about the different things that he was looking for with with running backs on play action. So I, I don't know if the I I mean maybe he wasn't giving me the whole story for what he was keying for offensive linemen. I'm sure there were some things. No, yeah, because my question was specifically about offensive linemen, and then he gave you something else. It's funny you say that though, because it actually isn't the old linemen that give it away. It's the running backs because they say that normally, like when the running backs have play action, they're in the pass protectors. They'll look at both the corners mm. to see like, hey, right. who they're could be to the most? Out, yes, who's yeah. the most likely to come? On this defense, where's the safeties? And then they start looking at safeties. If you ever look at a running back, when he's going to get the ball, what's he do? He looks straight ahead. Yeah. I know where I'm going. When they, yep. <laughs> That's why if you ever just look at the running backs, you can tell if it's a play action, a run. or I mean, they give everything away. And, uh, well, it was uh, since it was off the record, I don't want to reveal the entire thing that he said, but just even how they line up, like how far away yeah. from the quarterback and things like that. So if it's... You know, if somebody is pretty far away from their quarterback, it's kind of unlikely that they're going to run at that point. So they're, 
I, I, I uh, decided last year to read a book on the different defensive keys, which, you know, whatever. Like, uh, but it was, it's just, it's fascinating how many things that you have to focus on at the same time, I guess, if you're a defender. Oh, there is a lot. I mean, you got to think strength of defense. What formation are they in? Are the offensive linemen in 3.2 point? What's the snap count? Am I in coverage? Dude, there's a million things. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you about Xavier Rhodes. We had a good conversation about it earlier, and both concluded that at very least it's time for Mike Hughes to just play. And yeah. uh, if Mackenzie Alexander is healthy, that Hughes should be the outside corner. And if not, what's the answer? So do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I think that Mike Hughes is playing really well. I think that dude, this last game, X just didn't that, that when he got burned for that touchdown. I mean, that was just bad. I mean, that was not at all X, and it was just it didn't look good. I mean, I don't know what it is. Is he hurt? And then he gets hit by Harry. I mean, dude, Harry is a monster out there. He takes out his own guy. <laughs> yes. I mean, this. Yeah. I mean, poor X. He's in coverage. All of a sudden, like lights go out. What do you do? But you know, that's. I think you're right. I think you got to move Mike out. Okay, we fixed our uh, computer system. We'll come back and continue that conversation about trade deadline, and then let's get into kind of what they can carry over because we've made fun of the Giants' defense a lot, and they absolutely deserve that. But what's going to work against other teams as well? We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. No, I just think we have to clean up some technique with with some of our defensive backs. Um, not not just him, but you know we've got some other guys that we need to clean up our technique. And uh, at times throughout the game, they you know they might be perfect 60, 70 percent of the time, and then in the other 30 percent they they get sloppy. So we have to clean that up. Not a particularly great ratio, 70 to 30 in the NFL for things going your way and not. Um, back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin, and Alex Boone. And just to continue the conversation, um, Alex, trade deadline isn't quite here yet, but we're starting to march that way and have those conversations. Uh, don't do you, it. you don't need to um, give us all the potential trades that might bounce through your mind, but... There's got to be something there for Xavier Rhodes. If you can't play him, Holton Hill's coming back. Mike Hughes is going to be there. I mean, if it feels like it's going to be a pretty awkward situation if they do have to go to Mike Hughes and have a guy with a $13 million cap hit sitting on the bench. Uh, I don't think it would be that awkward. New York's doing it with their quarterbacks. Well, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, with, with Eli. Okay, I was just the other guy's sure. got mono, so it's there's, not both New Yorks. Yeah, I was going to say, there's, I mean, <laughs> his this, spleen this, could explode. Alex, give listen, him a break. Listen, listen. I think that the, the up and down of this this season with him, I mean, it, it's something. But this last game, especially, don't you feel like Zim was kind of out to prove something? Like, hey, listen, I'm pissed off. The offense is pissed off. We're going to blitz the hell out of this rookie to yes. prove a point. And not only that, it's going to make the back end a little vulnerable. So I think people are jumping to conclusions. While everyone's upset, that's why I said I think the Elfline situation is more of a problem mm. because this last game, it looked to me like Mike Zimmer was trying to send a message. Like, hey, listen, we can still do this if you guys want to do this. Now, the back end might be a little shaky, but if my front four or front five or front six get to you, you're going to be sorry. Was there any one of those blitzes as a former offensive lineman where you were like, hmm, that was a good one? I mean, what what is it? like? Because it was impressive how uh, aggressive they were, and it seemed like the offensive line for the Giants was baffled on a number of times. I mean, the safety, they didn't even pick yeah. the guy up. Dude, how do you not expect that on the safety? Like, Zeitler's like, hey, listen, I'm going to hand Anthony Barr off to nobody on this <laughs> ISO. Like, There's dude, no you, one are, there. you take the most inside threat and you let him go? What? 
dude, no. Oh my god, I was so pissed. They didn't. Even, it's like they didn't even know they were on the one yard line. Like they thought they were on the fifty, like first and ten. The whole defense is creeping up, and you put out that piss poor effort. You should be ashamed. So back to Xavier because I, I'm. We've been talking about this for months and going in circles with it. So I'd like to get your take. So Zidim wants to. He kind of eviscerates him back in March at the owners' meeting, saying he needs to play better. He's not playing up to the big contract we gave him. Okay, Mike, well, what's the issue? Well, it's technique. Mike, has he lost speed and athleticism? No, it's technique. So he keeps going back to this. And when I asked him about it yesterday, because he's got four penalties in five games so far, he's allowing like 85% of passes to be completed when it's thrown in his direction. He's not shadowing guys as regularly anymore. Um, let's say they don't move him, because it just doesn't feel that likely right now. Anyways, um, what what's the next step for Xavier Rhodes? Do you see it as A, a move to safety, B, as him getting benched, or C, other? Well, i got to say other, because I, mean, I think your safeties are playing really hot right now. And I don't think that you can just go like, hey, listen, we're going to pull agree. somebody out of the lineup just to put X back here to save face because we're paying him a lot of money. At the end of the day, they don't care. Hey, listen, we're still trying to win a championship here. X, if you're not the best, you will go sit on that bench. <laughs> no coach ever really cares because when, when you're talking about the season, they don't want to be like, listen, the one guy I kept making excuses for, he was the reason that got us. You know, I mean, we could have just benched him, sat him on the bench, put other guys out there that probably were better, should have played, and maybe been in the playoffs. And you're on the hot seat a little bit too still. So I don't think that there's going to be a, hey, listen, I'm here to save face with everybody. If he's not pulling his weight going forward, I could easily see Zim being like, hey, man, you're going to have to sit on the bench. Interesting. I mean, we talked about the succession plans already there because you have Mike Hughes, you have Holton Hill right. coming back. but that So that unit could look a lot different this time next year, even before then. Another unit, um, another player that's come to my mind that I'd love to get your take on, uh, Kyle Rudolph's averaging a target per game. And mm-hmm. we're five games in, so we know that... He this, loves blocking. He He's loves Lee blocking. Smith he was, um, loves yeah. He, he was talking about it last week and, and I guess trying to save face just with his role he's, in the offense. He's blocking people on the street. He loves blocking so much. He goes I love to the, it so much, goes guys. Grocery stores. Oh, I'm just, just moving some lady off of her car. Oh, sorry, ma'am. I just love blocking. <laughs> sorry, I thought Kidding. Dalvin was behind me. I'm what, sorry. What happened to tight ends in this offense, though? I thought, did, were, did Gary uh, lie to us? Because he yeah. told us they were going to be used. And outside of Irv Smith flipping upside down. Which um, was awesome. It was, Great catch. Well, that was, if I can go ahead and give it away, that would be Thanks, my Thanks, Alphon. Um, yeah. But... Hey, don't give it away. That's next. Okay. Um, nobody heard that. Uh, My but, teases are perfect. But by, by the way, we do. Can you give a neck roll to a guy on the same play that was called for holding? So technically, the catch didn't count. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, yes. I'm yeah. just making sure. He flipped. Sure. He saw, saw his it. life flash before it his happened. eyes. On that, that was the most awesome hit I've seen all year from this team. It was awesome. Well, so with Rudolph. Like what's what's the deal? And what's the deal with like tight ends in this offense? Do you think at some point like if they're not going to move Stephon Diggs because they don't have any other wide receivers behind him and you'd have to play a whole ton of 12 personnel and it's just not going to happen. Um but like do we expect them to have any bigger role than what they do right now because it was just made, you know, to us it was like oh tight end screens and, and Irv Smith's yeah. going to be an F tight end, he's going to basically be a fourth receiver and or third receiver and it just hasn't come to fruition. Yeah, like, and then they run the cliche tight end screen back. Like, God, dude, you have to hit one a game. I feel like every team nowadays has to hit one tight end screen a game. But 
I don't know. I think that this team is trying to still find their identity. They're still trying to make up and hug each other from what just happened. I mean, did you see the end zone celebration? Like, please slap my hand. Dude, <laughs> I get it. You guys are trying to be friends this week. What's going to happen next week when someone punches you in the mouth? Are you yeah. still going to be trying yeah. to slap hands like that? I mean, everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen with Rudy and these guys? Dude, they don't. They can't even get the ball to Thielen barely. I mean, this last game was one game where Thielen just I mean, outshined everybody. I mean, as soon as he got the ball, he was doing some of the most amazing things. And credit Kurt, because there were some tough throws there that he yep. made, especially that one on the sideline that was, I mean, what, an inch away from getting hit away? I mean, it was perfect throw. Yeah, that was a great throw. But how can you expect the tight ends to get involved when you're barely getting your star receivers involved? I mean, and then there's times that you can't even get your star running back involved because you, you're getting shut down. I mean, Tight ends come in when the play action's really hitting and you're really doing some really fun things and everybody's having a good old time. I mean, there's other guys that got to get the ball too. And then not only that, you got to win the game. I mean, if you're not that big of a threat, then dude, what are we doing? I mean, yeah, I'm trying to throw you a few stick routes every game to get some first downs, but when we throw you the tight end screen, I mean, it's like three yards and you get tackled. I mean, I do think that Irv Smith is the future of this team going forward. It's just amazing to me because if you look at like, his production, Rudolph, that is, the last few years. And, like, he's not even a red zone threat anymore. No. Like, that used to be the security blanket for Case Keenum, for Sam Bradford, for, you know, for Teddy. That that was... And there's one play in this last game. Now, the next play, he throws a touchdown to Rudolph, but... Or, or I'm sorry, to Thielen. But Rudolph crosses the face of the safety, and it's right in time with Kirk's drop, and he seems to be looking at him. And then Kirk's like, nah, I'm not going to do that, and then checks it down. It's just like, he's just... He doesn't have that same trust in Rudolph. He never that has other though. Like look at quarterbacks it even, from, even from last year where Bradford had, really did. He had some production, but like some red zone production. But even last year that was an issue. Yeah. And Kirk's Wouldn't like, I, I'm to vowing him. to be better at that because he just didn't trust him for whatever reason. But do you ever think that maybe a defense too is trying to shut it down? Like, hey, listen, guys, let's not let Rudy just run down the middle of the seam here and just destroy us. You know, I mean, there's some things that they too have to take care of as a defense. Like, hey, we can't give them the easy plays, guys. Like, if Thielen's going to go out and make a great catch and a great play, we can live with that. But Rudy running down the seam, no, nah, we can't live with that. We can't get beat like that. Okay, we got to take a, a quick break here. We got neck rolls to hand out. You have seven of them. Like you're covered in neck rolls where uh, you're sitting, Alex Boone. Um, Courtney Cronin from ESPN. We'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. Jonathan here with this hour's Score North download brought to you by the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show. We'll use this download to remind you of some of the content that we have out there. Vikings related. It's been 10 years since we all went on a bit of a ride with Brett Favre, and we're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season. You can join Sage Rosenfels, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand right now anywhere you find your favorite podcast, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows. That's Minnesota Sports Rewind. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment today of Purple Daily. All right. Once upon a time, the NFL was tough, and the fullbacks wore neck rolls. Each week, we learn that the league hasn't gone soft, and for the player who demonstrated the most grit, we award the neck roll of the week. All right, here we go. This is Alex Boone's favorite segment, and Courtney Love Cronin's it. as well. Who wants to begin with the handing out of the neck rolls? Well, Alex has like 10 of them, so I guess we should let him go first. <laughs> well, I just I just think that this last... I'm going to narrow it down to three people, okay? and Well, I'm going to say two. Two. Okay. 
I was going to say George Kittle, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with Pretty good one. blocker for a tight end. I mean, the dude's incredible. He's I a monster. But I got to go with Harry the Hitman, because what he did this last weekend, him and Jabril Peppers, to me, I mean, just playing lights out, doing everything they could. I mean... At one point, he took out his own player. Harry does it all. I mean, the guy is incredible. I mean, I'm watching him smack people like, dude, I kind of miss getting hitting that hard. Like, he was fun to get hit by. And I remember watching him when he hit Kaepernick on the sideline. And it just watching this last game brought back memories. I would not want to get hit by him. Ever. Uh, but a, a great choice. He's been as every bit as great as he usually is this year. Harrison Smith. All right. How about you? Well, I, I kind of gave mine away, so hopefully nobody heard it. But uh, the catch that was <laughs> negated by the hold uh, by Pat Alfline that Irv Smith made when yeah. Antoine Bethay just like completely drilled him, and he still held on to the ball. Yeah. Um, I think that's I, a neck roll. That's yes. I'm gonna. I'll go give one to him tomorrow. Be like, hey, do you even know what this is, Irv? Are you? Are you? I doubt it. His dad would have worn one. Like Irv Smith. Yeah, I mean, probably Irv, Irv Smith, Smith Senior. Yeah. Probably had senior. a neck roll. Old tight ends with neck rolls. Fantastic. Uh, I have five to give out. Anthony Costanzo, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, who's the other yes. guy? He's reading off uh, the entire offensive Leskowski. line. Uh, Leskowski. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mark Leskowski. Uh, Glowinski. Glowinski. Whatever. Offensive lineman, Glaskowski, Glowinski, it doesn't matter. Those five gentlemen handing off power runs five times in a row and plowing the Kansas City Chiefs out of the way for Marlon Mack to get first down after first down to kill the clock against Kansas City. Man, if that did not take you back to, like, Jerome Bettis and the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line just hammering away at people, killing clock, what an unbelievable offensive line they have built in Indianapolis. And that was super fun to watch. It was just great. Dude, they went from at one point they were the worst offensive line in the NFL, and the next year they went to be the best. Yeah, I mean the jump that they made that year was incredible. What what Gooch did for them will forever be they, they'll be thankful for him forever. But I think that Frank Reich knows exactly what he has in this team, and he's like, hey, listen, guys, we are going to do exactly what we're good at, and we are never going to deviate. And Jacoby Brissett is just playing good football because they love him. He is like the heartbeat for that team. Yeah, he's going out there and, and doing sort of the game manager thing and making throws when he's supposed to throw it. I mean, they're they're a good team still, even though they are without their all-time great quarterback. And I think if Andrew Luck had been here, we would have been talking about a Super Bowl team, that they're that good. When you can, when you can take KC and just grind them to death in their house because of your offensive line, that's amazing. Is there anything you think that the Vikings can take from that? Just given how bad the Chiefs' pass defense is, oh, we, sure, yeah. like I'm thinking, like that's what week nine. Like, I mean, there. I, I wish that uh, in this case there was some solution that I had. Like I could say, oh well, all they have to do is what Indy did against Mahomes. But right, I don't think so. I, I think but, Indy got great penetration though. I agree, and I think that the defense is going to help a huge in that game when it comes to playing Kansas City. But, I mean, when you want to talk about this team, I have a question for you guys. Who do you think is more likely to win Coach of the Year, Frank Reich or Kyle Shanahan? Hmm. That's a great question. I will, I will if for whatever, because we found out that check is going to be out four to six weeks, yeah, uh, for what he can do, I guess, kind of scheming around that, considering he's such a huge part of the offense. I mean, he's already, every week it feels like something new. 
with right. that offense. So I'll be very curious to see what it is going forward. I'll go ahead and say Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is the answer, but if Indianapolis somehow wins that division, then it might have to be Frank I mean, that Reich. division still is such a toss-up. What a great journeyman quarterback Frank Reich is. I love him. I was. I'm still pissed he didn't win last year because I thought after being the second, like playing second fiddle to Josh McDaniels, and then everything that went on with Andrew Luck, like everybody was like, I don't want to touch him, mm-hmm. and here this guy was like, Hey man, I'm ready to roll. Let's go. I loved him from jump. I thought he was. A gr- I thought he got just completely wiped out last year by that Matt Nagy. I didn't like that. Yeah. Did did their GM Chris Ballard because of all the stuff he did in the draft and and turning that offense into yeah, what it was? Did he did he win? GM of the year? Yeah, he did. Okay. I thought he won executive of the year, but he deserved it. I yeah. mean, you look at what they've done with that team, and there's a guy that says, hey, listen, they're kind of built a lot to me like Buffalo. They see a player that they like, and they're like, hey, listen, that's the guy we want. And people are like, no, no, no. That guy's old. And they're like, no, we know. We want him. We want to go after him big time because he's the piece that this defense needs. They need a leadership role, and you saw that last weekend at Justin Houston. That dude showed up in his old stadium. Yeah, that like, was he impressive. Was, like, his hair was on fire. Like, he was like, you know what? And you heard him after the game say it was personal. And I was like, oh, man, you could tell from jump it was personal. Um, Frank Reich won five games as a starter in the NFL in the regular season, filling in for Jim Kelly, and then Carolina tried to start him. That went horribly. The Jets tried to start him. That went horribly. But in the playoffs, 2-0 and with the greatest comeback of all time as a Buffalo Bill. Isn't that great? I mean, that's just like a classic journeyman quarterback. Barely ever really gets a chance in the regular season. When he does, it doesn't go super well. In the playoffs, then he has one of the best games ever. It's wild. I mean, Love incredible. Frank Love him. Oh, yeah. uh, all right, Alex, Give uh, we're going to be out there tomorrow, Thursday. Give us something that we should be talking about to players inside the locker room as we lead up to this huge game between the Vikings and Eagles. Listen, here's what you do. You go in there and you say, hey, guys, when you're talking to like the other line, be like, hey, listen, are you guys going to work on getting – more depth on your pass sets. Just see what they say. Just see, just see if they look at you like, wait, what? Yeah, that they probably will. I would assume if they're that. even in there. I mean, we we never see them. That yeah, it, it can't, see they can't, avoid you. There's rules. Yeah, hey, between be twelve and twelve thirty, they're in there. Don't go in, guys. We know the rules. Uh, we yeah, need you to we come do with too. Us. We know what the rules uh, are. <laughs> Another day, I'll but you go know with what? You. They can't. They can't look over the shower thing anymore. They used to sneak up behind Whoa, the shower. Dude. You guys are offensive linemen. Oh. We can see you. Stop. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> All right, Alex. We'll talk to you on Thursday, man. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure, guys. All right, Courtney, we'll be out there tomorrow, and uh, we will talk to you all then. Mackie and Judd with Rami put the final fork in the Minnesota Twins after they fell apart against the Yankees. Enjoy those next two hours. We will talk to you tomorrow. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.